Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck, joined by my co-host, Tom Sorrell. Hey, how are you, Will? What's going on? I'm just chilling over here, man. I'm, 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 I'm relaxing. I'm drinking water. I've had a long day. Um, now I'm just trying to trying to ease back into uh, podcasting mode. Alleg- allegedly, there were accoutrements before. I don't know what's going on. How are you, though? Enough about me. I'm doing all right. Very, very busy week. Um, so it is nice to take a break, shoot some shit for a bit. I'm sitting here drinking a Coca-Cola, Georgia's finest export. Hmm, Georgia's fine. <laughs> All right, man, I'm not, I'm going to leave that one alone. Uh, I got a peach tree growing in the backyard, though. I do have that, man. I, uh, nice. We, yeah, we got some, some apple tree. Don't, don't count your apples before they hatch. You got to watch out for the raccoons and the squirrels. It's full critter season here. It's spring, you know, love is in the air, allegedly. It's crazy, man. Um... What I do want to get down to, though, is there's a few shows uh, urgently that are urgent to your attention. If you're actually listening to this uh, in real time as it as it drops, like if you're if this is actually May the 19th and you're listening to this and you're in East Nashville, Tennessee, go to the five spot tonight and check out our guests tonight. Um, Also, this weekend, May the 21st at the Broadway in Brooklyn, New York, uh, there's still time to go down there and catch Bludgeoner, uh, Exsanguinated. Anthropophagus and Fester Gore. Um, we're going to get a popping down there on a Sunday night, man. That's probably going to be the last exsanguinated show in uh, New York City for a minute before we go on tour, man. I want to say that off the top, Tom, just because it's like the show is today. You know? Uh, what venue? Um, well, the show that's today is in East Nashville. I don't know if I'm right, going right. to make it down, but I wanted, to, I, wanted to, I wanted to shout them out, man. Soot's playing down there. Um, at the five spot, and also in two days on May the twenty first uh, at at the Broadway there in Brooklyn, man, we're, we're Sanguinate is playing. We're looking forward to that, man. Um, gotcha. So people have time to catch it if they're listening to this off the grip. Maybe you, you know, maybe you listen to the second hour of Heavy Hole podcast on Sunday afternoon while you smoke your weed and drink your coffee, and you said, "Man, I, I could have caught that show." I don't know, but um, enough about that, Tom. What you can catch right now, I sat down with Nashville tenant. With Nash- Nashville, Tennessee's. That wasn't the first time I mispronounced something to him. Shout out to Micah from uh, Nashville, Tennessee's Soot, uh, a band that I'd rather get down to interviewing right now than try to describe. Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with Micah Mathewson, Zane Lake, Cole Cosby, and Daniel Hinkle, who formed the band Soot from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you very much for your time, and welcome to the show. Yo, thanks for having us. Thanks. All right, and I did get, I got all the names right that time, man. The listeners know I'm an asshole with that. Um, <laughs> guys, thank you very much for your time, and uh, we're going to get into um, your late, your album, uh, uh, Talons of Empathy, which I listened to today, and there's a lot to talk about there. Um, you, you you released a few singles in the years coming up to that, and um, I want to get into your backgrounds. Uh, I do have it right. The band is, is based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you, let me ask right off the bat. Do you feel that sometimes that comes with um, uh, uh, baggage from like people expect a certain th- a certain style or a certain thing out of you guys. Maybe the way they would expect me being from New York to to be a certain way with my bands. I don't know. You know. Uh, 
I mean, yes yeah. and yes and no. It's weird because like uh, I have been at least in Nashville for 10 years now. And there's like from what I've seen, there's a separation in the city where like the commercial it's always been like a country destination spot it's always had like a really close lineage with uh country western music and that's what people from out of town visit for but like anywhere like it doesn't matter if you go to like a coastal vacation town in florida or if you are in nashville whatever there are things that like resist the tourist culture and there's always like sort of an underground semblance of like normal artists trying to do things from you know new things and so that exists very much in nashville i found i think yeah i think there's like a pretty thriving countercurrent to that which is cool that that's that's cool and i wanted to ask that because i spent um i've, I've performed in nashville a handful of times over the years and last year in particular i, I played like three shows in in uh, i played um a show just outside of nashville with a noise project i'm involved in reeking or played in nashville uh and it's there, there is a strong underground. It's not, you know, it's one of those things that gets stereotyped. Maybe the same way where I'm from gets stereotyped with bands like Madball and Agnostic Front. Some somehow, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like a regional thing. But um, before we get any further, like I said, I wanted to get into each of you guys' background a little bit before you form the band Soot. Um, let's start, uh, Micah. You are the guitarist and vocalist of the band, if I got that correct. Um, yeah. Typical question, are you from a musical family? Anyone in your uh, upbringing that got you into playing instruments and, and listening to music, uh, hard rock, or maybe anything else that influenced the band? Yes, yes and no. Yeah, like really musical family. Um, Cole and I are actually cousins, and Cole plays guitar in the band. His dad taught us both how to play guitar. Um, so from like a really young age, guitar was everywhere. And we also grew up like, deeply rooted in the church um we grew up in like a really religious household where like like singing was everything like you know it was a really 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 christian household with uh, a, a focus on on music surrounding that and so music was like always there but it always was for the church or like a religious thing and i i personally feel like i didn't really listen to like <laughs> like rock music like even like radio rock music until like early middle school um my youngest like earliest memories was always like hymns and worship music and stuff so it's it's a weird weird like origin with that um but i had like older brother syndrome where i had like a brother that was six years older than me so he'd come home from high school with like you know everything from uh you know new metal records and uh, hip hop that was a like three six and Eminem and like you know so I was getting stuff like that and then like hiding the CD from my parents like <laughs> but uh, yeah mainly it was the musical origins of it all was definitely like pretty church based. Okay, man, that's that's something I have heard from other people and the and it is. I want to say it's it's a common trajectory for artists, maybe not so much for the heavier spectrum of things like but but so many great artists come out of the church, you know, like R&B and country artists traditionally. Um, yeah. And that's where music is fostered in a lot of communities. If you're not in the church, then there's really there, there might not be someone to teach you guitar, piano, so on and so forth uh, going back. Now, you said you said you moved to Nashville 15 years ago. 
Ten years ago, yeah. Ten years, Ten years ago, ago, sorry. Are, are you from Are you from another part of Tennessee? Are you from an area that's maybe more rural uh, than than Nashville, or, or what? What's your background in terms of prior to Nashville? So I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and then moved a couple of times. Kind of, you I moved a couple of times halfway through, like middle school. I moved to Southern Illinois, so I lived in like the middle of nowhere. In basically Carbondale, like basically Kentucky part two uh, in a town of like 5,000 people. Um, so super rural. And then moved to Florida in high school. And that's where my parents still live. They live in like Sarasota, Florida. Um, and that's where I met Dan. Um, and yeah, so <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a, it's a weird trajectory there too. Okay, man. And then, so, but the whole time I get like cold, I guess, so Cole's your cousin, so you guys like you know naturally keep in touch through the years. You end up in oh, the band yeah. together. Um, well, then let me ask this, man: Where does Zane come in? Since we got everyone else explained. <laughs> um, so I'm from Birmingham uh, originally. I've been in Nashville for like seven years now, um, and I just started playing guitar when I was like nine or something, and. Uh, ended up going to an arts high school for classical guitar, actually. Um, and then just slowly started getting into heavier stuff in high school. My mom always had a really cool music taste, so I grew up listening to Wilco and Ryle Kylie and uh, a bunch of, you know, kind of all-country bands and stuff like that, um, which is a cool, you know, bass to start uh but then started listening to grindcore you know mallcore kind of stuff and then that transitioned into into punk and then i started going to shows in birmingham um birmingham has a really good uh very thriving punk scene actually um so it was, it was really but, cool to get to grow up in that. And so when I moved to Nashville 10 years ago, I went to uh, an art school. Um, I got my fine art degree at a school called Watkins and met uh, a dear friend of mine named Karina, moved in. Karina and I got a place. And Karina was Zane's best friend from Birmingham. And so when I moved out of my room, Zane took my room and I went over to go visit Karina. And the way that Zane and I met was that we both used the walk-in closet to keep all of our gear in, like super, like tons of amps in. <laughs> and it was like, oh shit, we should play music together. And that's how, that's literally how Zane and I started playing music together was because we, he took the room that I used to have and we, we both used it for gear like crazy. Okay, man, and you—I'm trying to look it up now, man. I was—I was with your your album before you—you—you you, you put her in the the lyrics to one of the songs. Was it family? The family gun? What what, what song was it? Yeah, yeah. All right, man. I, I just—I just wanted to point that out, man. I'm doing the homework behind the scenes, man. Interesting, man. There's <laughs> the lyrics, by the way, very interesting and compelling, man, and. I'm gonna say something controversial. As a fan of yep. death, as a fan of death metal, I don't always even bother with the lyrics, but depending on the band. But, <laughs> but, um, but you know, compelling lyrics. I enjoyed it, man. I'm just joking, all the death metal guys. Uh, um, but I, I didn't forget about the other guys, man. Quickly, let's get a little bit. 
Um, uh, Daniel and Cole, we didn't really ask you much. Now, Cole, we know that your father is kind of like the guitar guru in the church for the two of you. Is that what I, is that what I heard before? Oh yeah. Yeah. My dad who really doesn't know any theory just kind of showed both Mike and I like the chords and was like, all right, good foundation, go from there. Uh, it just made it really fun to play. But, uh, Mike and I grew up like, like pretty far apart for most of our lives. So there's always like holidays when our families would be together. We would we would play together and stuff. Um, but I grew up in in like northwest Georgia, in the Chattanooga area, and from like ninth grade, I spent a lot of time in that in that like the hardcore scene in Chattanooga. Um, that's kind of where I got my musical bearings outside of the church because I was still there every week. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, the South. Man, yeah. we're all we're yeah. all just like steeped. They don't call it the Bible Belt for nothing. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know this is uh, this is something I did want to talk about. Um, as soon as you said, you know, you guys uh, grew up in, in the church and everything. We've had artists on before from the Bible Belts, uh, which is what they for the listeners who don't know. We have listeners all over the world of all ages. Um, there's an area of the Southern United States known as the Bible Belts, which there are some area, like I said before. If you wanted to learn music necessarily, or you know, if you wanted, <laughs> if you wanted to stay in your house growing up, you had to stay in the church. Uh, um, oh, yeah. uh, a little, you know, there was, and and um, there weren't many other options. Uh, and and we've had we've had a lot of guests. I don't want to single anyone. Up. We've had a lot of guests on before though who told similar stories. Um, yeah. Now, question here: You mentioned hardcore. Was there a strong Christian hardcore scene in your in, out oh. there? Massive, massive Christian hardcore scene. Uh, Thankfully, the scene down there is definitely very distant from that now. But when I was first started going, it was like just Christian hardcore bands. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of good stuff in that scene for real, but like, thankfully, the, the theme has changed. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah, and I'm I'm a big proponent of going back and because li- there's like as a music listener, there's objectively lots of good Christian metal and hardcore albums that you know, and sure. that's, that's a whole other discussion. I think that that's. You know that's an interesting thing though, like these Bible Belt areas, and maybe maybe we could even go think about other areas of the world where there's a very conservative religious culture. Maybe yeah. maybe a Christian version of hardcore and metal is the first stage in the local kids building a scene. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's something that has to. You know that's part of the evolution, right? I, you know I don't know. And then after a while, maybe they they start. You know they they branch out to other ideas, um, but. All right, so not not to not to harp on that too much. Um, no, we can't. <laughs> well, da- uh, Daniel, you're the last one, I believe, that we didn't get your your background a little bit. Yeah, so I grew up in Florida, and Mike had mentioned that's where we met. Um, I grew up in Venice, Florida, tiny little town on the west coast, like an hour south of Tampa. But <clears throat> in like I don't know, early high school, I started getting into metal. And, like, mid-high school is when I started playing drums. And this kind of, like, really got, like, pretty immersed in, like, the metalcore scene in Florida. And then that kind of, like, branched out into death metal. And then that branched out into punk and hardcore. And I played drums in some hardcore bands, like, towards the end of my, like, high school days. Um, And I... Yeah, I mean, it's always, there's always been, like, a really special place um, for some of that more aggressive music for me. Um, when I 
it fades back too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I when I when I finished high school, I kind of like um, denounced all of it. Like, I got really, really like sick of the scene, <laughs> and like over the past few years, like I've been really um, coming back to it. And honestly, I moved to Nashville a couple years ago, and um, I've you know I've known Micah and Cole and Zane for several years now, but I haven't lived with them in the same city for a long time. Um, but I've been really like re kind of introduced to my love for that like style of music. And so I don't know. I think I'm really just like leaning into some of my roots with like punk and hardcore and then death metal too. It's it's fun. It's I'm I'm glad that you bring up the heavier stuff, and now now we kind of get to a little bit more of a well-rounded idea of you guys coming together in Nashville and forming the band. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's a lot of metal and hardcore in this background story that you guys have have, have given me. The band itself is like bombastically, oh. brutally heavy at in some respects and some elements. It's not death metal, obviously, but there's 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 something to it. I wanted to ask. Maybe before we go further, this is like one of those things I wanted to get off my chest. And maybe you guys could say, no, you're completely wrong. There's, this like, there's this like dark, I'm speaking in particular of some of the, the more atmospheric moments on Talons of Empathy, your uh, full-length album that came out in November of last year. There's some really dark cinematic um, kind of like haunting, maybe quote-unquote American Gothic style stuff. Leonard oh, yeah. Leonard Cohen came to mind in a few parts. Yeah. I don't, am I? Cool. I don't know, man. Like, like, um, and maybe even uh, artists. It's it's like there's there's almost like a, this kind of like southern haunting, like American gothic thing, but funneled through like grunge, Jesus Lizard, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. you know, like um, the huge compliments. <laughs> that that's what it's meant as, and that's kind of like what I what I took it as. But at the same time, there's kind of like this Black Sabbathy corrosion of conformity type doom thing going on. Take me through a little yeah. bit of the beginnings of the band because you put out a single in 2020 October. Two years later, you released the album. Like maybe take me through a little bit of the growing pains of the 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 the. the you guys all come together. What are we trying to do? You want this style? I want that style. Like, give me an idea how you guys land on this very experimental, interesting, heavy album with its also like very emotionally deep, quiet parts. Yeah, uh, I mean the the Southern Gothic thing. I think we've all kind of like me and so me and Micah like started the project um, initially, and I brought in kind of more of the doom metal thing, I think, and um, that sort of shaped, like, that heavier sound. Um, But, like, Micah's lyrics and, like, um, a lot of the guitar parts, especially um, now, I feel like even more so, leans into a southern thing. We all, you know... Mm -hmm. Can't say we're proud to be from the south necessarily, but like there's some great aspects about it and some creepy and like dark aspects about that. And yeah, it's fun incorporating that into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people always say write what you know. And so like it's it's interesting how like we talk about this tinge of like growing up in the south being strange and like 
there's so much of it that you grow like anything like anyone i think with their their regional area they're from or hometown you grow to really resent it in adolescence and then you get away from it and you you maybe have your grand adventure and you realize how formative it was and how that's like part of your voice and that's important uh in a certain sense to bring in to like a more mature project and so yeah i mean dude Thank you. Like uh, Leonard Cohen, Jesus Lizard, huge, huge influence is a band we all really love. Um, but yeah, those Southern tinges, that Southern Gothic, I mean, that like Cormac, McCarthy, Cormac McCarthy, someone we all really love. And like, yes, uh, that yeah, that, that popped into and my so, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can bring that element into music, that darkness that exists in duality of the South. That's like, that's super important. And um, yeah, for sure. I mean, the band, one thing quick to note that's important to know is we have been a band for like seven, eight years, but we were under the name Lacquer. And at a certain point in like 2020, we had a we had a few singles out. We had a record out for a second. Um, we got a essentially it was like a prompt to a cease and desist from an electronic artist named Lacquer who was like, yo, you can't do this. Um you got to figure this out. And so we had written a lot of talents of empathy during 2020 um, in, in the, the COVID times, the downtime. Um, and we just decided, well, shit, let's, let's come out with a new name and let's just like make this thing. Cause it's pretty drastically different than lacquer. Lacquer was a lot more, I would say sedated, um, a lot more sedated version leaned way more into those like, almost songwriter elements and this is way more of like there's a there's a bit of violence this uh, which is a good thing and so having the new name kind of it felt empowering to have a new name for a, a slightly different sound and it's yeah. it's worked but yeah that's that's just a <laughs> that's a little tidbit of history that helps with like we've been making music for a long time <laughs> so it looks like two years old on paper three years old on paper that that sounds that, that sounds really frustrating um, it was. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sucks. But um, you know, you've kept busy, and you've put out this uh, this album, which you have available on cassette on your Bandcamp. I should note for our listeners, as well as a variety of T-shirts, uh, some hoodies, support the band because you re you released this independently, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, release this independently, and we've got some stuff kind of locked and loaded. We're also going to release independently but just trying to like tour on that record count our pennies get some vinyl eventually um that's kind of in the in the works at the moment so you guys recorded this album yourselves right yep we did yeah so this was like a passion project this is what we did to kind of keep sane during 2020 um we got the home studio setups rocking and um yeah, I just emailed the tracks back and forth. <laughs> yeah, at first we were like completely remote. Like, you know, we were <laughs> we were isolating like good boys and we would just like, uh, we'd send tracks and then eventually, obviously, we'd, we lived close enough. We would just like start going to each other's houses, practicing songs, figuring them out from there. But yeah, recorded all ourselves. Okay, man. And well, that's what I wanted. Like, is there a, do you, does one of you guys have a studio, an actual like studio you're working out of, a home studio set, or it's just all um, independent completely? It's been all pieced together, kind of um, different iterations, different people's gear, just kind of made do with what we could get a hold of. And uh, I love mm -hmm. it. I love it, man. Because well, because it's it's it sounds. 
I love the sound. It sounds organic, though. It definitely sounds like it was recorded before the like the late nineties in a way. You know, it, like, oh, like like it's hey, it's, it's, it's that's awesome. It's well, it's got well because you, you know, like we 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 talked about you know the G word grunge. I don't want to like pinhole you guys in there, but I, <laughs> I I feel like maybe some of what you guys are doing is that kind of southern doom funneled through grunge. There's a lot of elements at play, obviously, yeah. man. And I want the listeners to listen to the album and give it their own because you guys even go more kind of experimental directions than that at some points. There's a lot on this album. Um, for uh, I, I obviously I'm not a guitarist, but for the gear people, can we get into guitars, um, amps, effect effects, oh. pedals, uh, drums? What was used on the album to get all these sounds out? Um, for, yeah, let's let's narrow it down to the album. I can do <laughs> yeah for the album. I can I can I can speak on that pretty quickly for me. Like maybe more interesting things to hear that are really important for this album. There's a company called Montreal Assembly out of Canada. Um, they make effects pedals. Scott Monk, he's awesome. Um, I use his fuzz. It's called the Yorn Yor pretty exclusively. It's like a square wave fuzz. So it is like a wall of aggressive square frequency. Um, that's like the huge stuff. A lot of the time is carried by that. And then anytime you hear a wild, like, almost like delayed effect or like a pitch bended ridiculous tape uh flurb like whatever that's a pedal he calls the count to five um and that's that pedal is simulating like a broken tape machine um and it's incredible and so that that's huge for me um i use a sg with p90s um i love p90s i've like Cole taught me that that I love P90. <laughs> um, yeah, they're great. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just I, I, yeah, I had a music. Uh, I tracked a lot of that on a '60s Ampeg Gemini, which is like a 15-inch speaker, old Ampeg that I love. Um, and then a lot of it was on a Music Man, um, like a hundred watt head Music Man with with a Sun 212. Um, but yeah, that Gemini is like weirdly. I didn't mean for so much of it to get recorded on that old Ampeg, but it is that. <laughs> yeah, gives a character. Yeah, for sure. And Zane's got some pretty yeah, specific was, sounds. He's got. There was. Um, I think we used a like a V four. I know we used a V four four twelve and a uh guild a guild thunder bass uh-huh um, crazy head for that for a few things um at the time i had a uh an 81 gibson rd artist that i was messing around with and um my my main bass is a uh 76 gibson grabber um and that's a big part of where my sound comes from um and then yeah i i use i think i have five fuzzes on my board um so i use a boss hyper fuzz a lot and um i have a it's a weird modded big muff uh by fluid sonic manipulation um which they're great shout out yeah we love them yeah they're great um it's a giant black box it's called the black mass um and it sounds just fucking crushing um 
and then just a couple i don't even remember what else i had but those have been staple sounds for me um and up until recently i was using uh, a sun 215 and uh a Sun Coliseum 880, um, but I actually just got into the the SVT game, so now I have the world's heaviest rig. Uh, <laughs> and, Bridge, maybe. Yeah, catch us trying to load that thing out uh, to our next month. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's I think that's the majority of what I was using. Oh, it sounds it sounds big, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do we want? Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, for me, I guess uh, pretty much all the heavy tones on that record that you hear from me are a uh, just like this little parts caster, telecaster, standard standard setup, two single coils uh, through a Proco rat, every knob all the way up through like a '70s uh, silver phase twin reverb. Um, that's kind of been my my go-to for the past five years for this wall of sound. It works pretty well. Um, Which I think is a misconception, and yeah. maybe plays into the duality of the South. That he's playing, yeah, he's playing a twin with a telly, and that's like the way that we get the heaviest tones out of coal. <laughs> <laughs> works, yeah. Um, but as far as other games goes, when we early in the recording stage, I was uh, I was gifted a little stomp underfoot Russian big muff clone that also had this analog octave side, and it like. Does a, it does a really bad, gross thing when you hit more than one note at once. <laughs> so I use all over the record and uh, that and like a, a Death by Audio Echo Dream was, was pretty much my go-to sounds for that album. All right. Wow, you you guys really gave away all the sauce right now, man. Maybe not. Maybe <laughs> but no, it's. I feel. I feel like you can. I feel like you're backing up the sound of the record. It's great, man. Um, oh yeah. Uh, Daniel, anything you want to add about the drums? Yeah, I mean, like, we definitely fuck a lot with, uh, like, an SPDX um, rolling sample pad. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't track the drums for this last record. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, uh, our, our good friend Luke, our good friend Luke Fedorko uh, played in the band for two years uh, and wrote a lot of this record with us. He tracked a lot of the drums. Mm -hmm. uh, dear, wonderful Lucas. Um, but he is moving to New York this year. And so Dan has been uh, playing and writing and recording with us since Talents came out. So all the new stuff's with Dan. But, okay. Um, uh, I'll keep an eye out for him up here in New York. Um, yeah. Dan, Dan, I apologize. My mistake. Um, no, but what, like, what, since I got you on the hook here, what are you working with now, man? What, do you, what kind of a kid are you bringing to shows? What's going on? Well, um, I mean, I'm working with a pretty simple setup. I've got like, here, here's the thing. Like, it's a pretty simple, it's a Catalina Birch kit. Um, it's nothing too fancy, but it sounds good. I'm oh. rocking with just like a pretty heavy like ride crash. And some heavy hats, and that's what I do. I don't know. It's really like Whatever not works. that fancy, but um, I just hit them as hard as I fucking can, and it's it's fun. <laughs> it works. That's rock and roll. <laughs> that's rock and roll, man. And a lot of I, well, I know a lot of bands. I mean, 
I don't want. I could go. I could. I could get into weird drum stories all night. Cause, cause when you're in an underground band and like you gotta, sometimes you're you gotta roll in a van or a minivan and like bringing bringing the big yep. kick drum and all the toms and everything around. Sometimes you gotta like pare down your kit somehow to make it yeah. on the road. That's a big part of it, man. So like keeping it simple is is a good idea. Um, yeah. I I know a band. They had they took the guy took like an 18 inch tom. And use that as a kick drum because he was just working with a sample pad anyway. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> <laughs> he, was hitting, like he was hitting 808s or something, so yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah, like he had the band's logo on the front of it. It just looked like this tiny little kick drum, man. But it, you know, it did the job. <laughs> I loved it. My we a band I was in was sharing gear with them one night. He did not like that. <laughs> the drum. Oh, oh, man. That would be wild. But wow, yep. I'll go. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say something to speak to the drums that like Dan utilizes live and that Luke really are like was the architect of a lot of the like wilder sampled parts of the record or where you hear like some of the noise track stuff is like all of us writing um, noisier parts and making them samples on like a Roland SPDX. And we try not to like make it gimmicky where you're just like, you know, when people play like house music while they're tuning like we try not to make it that it's like more incorporated into the set but um yeah the pad is like a it's like a fifth member it's it's an important part of the set is a lot of not necessarily like not like trigger samples like we're like his drum tone is samples but more like those sounds kick in at certain parts and it's from a sample track which is it, it's fun it adds like a crazy atmosphere yeah that's something I've been wanting to try to apply to. Well, we've, we've talked about applying to a few of my bands. Um, yeah. But it, it always seems like you're taking some extra step into technology that could backfire live. It's like a paranoia. You know what I mean? Yeah. Man? I, 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 we, well, you know, and I mean this sincerely. I say if, if you feel like you should do it, it hasn't been hard. We've played some real, played some simple places, and you can get a DI out, and they're okay with it. Like, hey, it worked. You can do it. You could do it. <laughs> I guess what I would say is like when you when you use it the way we have, it's a fun element to add when it works. And if for some reason it's fucking up and it's not working, like we could play the set just fine without it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not like an <laughs> integral part of the set, but it's a really cool noise like thing to have when you know when it works. Yeah, there you go. And I keep in mind I'm a caveman. With technology, I'm sure. I'm sure there's like every, anyone who knows anything about um, audio technology is laughing right now. But uh, <laughs> oh, speaking of gear, who is uh, associated in some way with Novo guitars? Because that's kind of like we we made a connection th- um, uh, uh, through that initially. Uh, that's me and Micah actually. Yeah, um, Micah's a photographer, and uh, I do all of the relicking at Novo. Re- relicking yeah what's what's yeah relic- so I, sorry it's a beat up all everybody's guitars you you buy a guitar from them and and it goes through my hands and i hit it with a rock and stuff <laughs> and so like you can you make can, it look old you can order a custom novo and then if you want like the finish to be checked like for it to have that like cracked look or whatever but you know zane handles the the relicking aspect of if, if you want aging, to, yeah if you want it to look aged we also like age hardware and stuff just because a new guitar sometimes looks like a brand new white pair of shoes it's like a little you know it can be it can be something uh something entirely you don't want yeah <laughs> that's interesting to me man um 
old position for that. I know it's interesting it's to us too, but yeah. hey, it pays the bills, so we gotta be careful. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I'm. I'm not against it. Like I'm just like it's. It's something I never thought about. Um, I'm not a guitarist, obviously, man. But I did. I did look up uh, Novo guitars. Um, people can look that up on Instagram. And it's, they're they're really cool looking guitars, man. Really kind of funky, old school looking guitars. Being that I'm not a guitarist, could you explain to me? As a layman, maybe like what style guitar that is, maybe like what the what the origins yeah. of that style gu- guitar might be, and what the application generally might be. Sure. Yeah, they're um, they're mainly Fender, uh, you know, styled, I, I suppose. Um, but uh, the the owner of the company really designs stuff. Uh, it takes a lot of elements from old Tyscos and sixties oddball guitars. Um, yeah. and the whole, I guess, mission of, of Novo is to have a guitar that feels, um, very resonant and, yeah. and worn in and, and, uh, and well used. Um, I think that's kind of the philosophy behind, you know, my job doing relicking and, uh, and just the way that they're constructed, um, using lightweight wood and, and everything that they've been tempered wood. Yeah. It, it makes for a very resonant guitar. Um, and they sound incredible. Yeah. It's sort of like as close as you can get with a newer guitar to playing a guitar that's been resonating and being played for the last 50, 60 years. And that has a lot to do with how the woods process and a lot of kind of processes that Dennis, the owner has, has put into, uh, putting those together, but it's it's spooky. It's like it plays like a fifties or sixties toy guitar, but like has a build quality, you know, better than a, oh, I'll shoot the shot better than a lot of modern Gibsons and Fenders. And, <laughs> allegedly, yeah. allegedly, as we say on the show, allegedly we got <laughs> oh, allegedly, respectfully, yeah, yeah. the heavy, <laughs> the heavy whole legal team is always on my back. <laughs> no, uh, no, I, I appreciate that because I've. As like I said, I'm as a layman, but I'm around guitars, so I know a little bit about guitars. I'm in bands. They're, they're really cool looking guitars. They obviously have that kind of vintage feel to them, um, and the idea that they're worn in, even I get it. It goes with the whole uh, theme of it. I get why somebody would want that. Being in Nashville, you guys are exposed to a lot. Like you guys, I, I mean, or maybe correct me. I would imagine you guys have the opportunity to experience a lot of different types of music as you would in, in other in other big cities, but Nashville primarily because it's known for music. Um, yeah. Like how how has that like affected you guys and affected the band being based out of there? Maybe I mean I mean I know it's a general question, but. Um, having moved there, have you noticed like a change in your approach to music and have you had experiences maybe there that changed the way you look at things? Absolutely. I, I know for me, I, I got really the, in the country after I moved here. I hated it when I was in, uh, when I lived in Alabama. Um, but something about, you know, learning more about the history of it here and, um, kind of listening to a lot of, uh, Towns Van Zandt kind of changed my mind because a lot of it is you know, more metal than metal. Uh, when you get down to it, like it's dark and, and cool. Um, so that's definitely been a, an unexpected influence. Um, but yeah, there's so much different yeah. music under the sun here. Yeah. Nashville is crazy. Like to have spent, I feel like my college years and after like, which just really active times of like absorbing music and and art and like the world and trying to form your place in it like nashville is 
like something we talked about at the beginning of this conversation is really interesting that undercurrent there are thriving pockets of just about everything here um like our hip-hop scene is insane brian brown um is great walt flames there's like jado blade there are like really incredible rappers here there's a really great um i mean there's a lot of great like actual metal bands because i don't think i could even claim that we're like an actual metal band we just have like maybe uh like rock band with metal tendencies um <laughs> but you know there's like a thriving actual metal scene there's a thriving uh legitimate country scene it's it's an interesting place, man. And, you know, like, uh, how many people move here a day? Is it the status? I think it's I think it's gone up to, like, 300 people a day or something. Or way, yeah, or more. But yeah. it's, like, a ton of people move here every single day. And so the, that pool of what is here and what is looking for its, its breakout to the light for people to see just gets bigger. And so I feel like I discovered that there's a scene for something here every, every week. Um, yeah, I didn't know we had like an electronic scene here, but there's like a thriving like uh, like house night that happens at a little bar called Cobra. It's like it's crazy. It's diverse, and yeah. so definitely all of those things, the experimental aspects of the record, I think, play into that melting pot that Nashville sort of become. Well, sometimes I think that like the fact that this is a hub for such for a lot of mainstream like genres of music, it really does. Um, it kind of facilitates that underbelly a little bit. And I think that's really fun where like you can go to the downtown and just kind of like witness the chaos of, you know, the pop kind of country music scene. Yeah, people yeah. just like eating it up. And then you go, you know, to another part of town and you're just like, these people like we're, <laughs> there's a lot of subversion going on. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I had the opportunity to to be in Nashville twice last year, um, and one of one of the shows I, I I was just doing support for Anal Birth, which is like a, a noise gore project from from Long Island, very yeah. very underground, and it was like a private, like like kind of like in like some like some like rave spot, you know, kind of like private right. noise show, and there was but like my my whole point being, and then when my death metal band played, there's a whole scene down there, like pe- people who aren't from the area who've never been there might associate it with country music, fairly so, but there's a lot more going on there too, man, and it's something people might want to think about when they're looking for places to travel to go see shows or concerts or whatever, man. It's it's a it's a music city, man. Um, we. Now we talked about how uh, your guys, um, Micah and and Cole, your uncle, uh, Cole's father, Micah's uncle, right? The guitar yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, is he still with us? Yes. Yes. Uh, all right. Great. Glad to hear it. Has he heard the band? What does he think? Yeah, uh, uh, he likes some of it. I don't. I don't think he's heard the whole record, but he's like, we'll slip <laughs> him like the softer songs and be like, hey. <laughs> And look at this uncle craig you know <laughs> i think he likes it i mean he's yeah. he's always supportive like whenever we talk about it and stuff he's he gets stoked you can see him excited that we're just out playing yeah you know for sure yeah i definitely grew up with uh very supportive parents you know they supportive in the way that they never told me to stop stop what i was doing <laughs> yeah yeah my i i i have i have a similar uh connection my parents are very supportive of uh all the death metal and all that shit. Um, ever since my first, ever since my first project, Liquefied Maggots. Uh, God bless them. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> um, uh, 
that being said, the other um, the other guys, other relatives, uh, you know, I know, you know, we talked a lot about a more conservative background, uh, the church. Any other um, yeah. uh, experiences playing what you do now for your parents, uncles, aunts, family members, positive or negative? I mean, I think it's all been pretty positive. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up in a very religious uh, household at all. Uh, it was just me and my mom, and she's flowed through a lot of different things. We definitely went to church when I was younger, and I played a little bit in the in the church band, but um, none of that was ever very like serious for me growing up. So uh, she's just always been the I'm really the only musical person in my family, but um, she's always been a huge music lover and just pushed me to to you know, do what I want to do. And uh, she's always been proud, maybe not so proud when it's super heavy and lots of screaming and all of that. But I think that she's, she's just happy to, to see me up there doing stuff. So yeah, um, yeah I think we're all, we're all very lucky in that. Yeah. yeah, I grew up, um, well, I grew up in Florida, but I was born like right outside Chicago and um, both sides of my family are from around there. Um, my dad's dad, my grandfather, who I never got to meet, like used to play banjo and guitar, like throughout like a circuit of clubs in Chicago and same with my grandmother. And so, and my dad passed when I was young, but he, um, I think he really kind of passed down to me some of that love for music where I recently visited Chicago, um, for the first time, like as an adult, uh, last year. And it was really special just kind of like visiting some spots that my grandparents used to play at. And my grandfather wasn't a drummer, um, but I think that just the kind of like creativity that has kind of come down from that lineage has really been special. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. I I appreciate that, man. That's interesting because that's – well, that's why – I. Almost every single interview, unless I forget it, I ask, I start out by saying, are you from a musical family? Are there musicians in your upbringing for that reason? Because more often than not, you you find um, uh, there's some sort of interesting story like that, some background to it. And even if not, it's also interesting when someone is kind of like the lone wolf uh, of, the, of the musicians in the, in the family. Um, was it, uh, uh, Zane, was it you that said um, you went to music school? Yeah, I went to an arts high school, uh, the Alabama School of Fine Arts, a uh, very creative name. Um, and I, I didn't finish my education there just because classical guitar wasn't my jam. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it definitely gave me, you know, a different sort of ear and skill set, um, especially like doing a lot of choir uh, at school. It was mandatory, uh, but I, I loved it and like, I think that's definitely helped with, you know, I'm not a great singer, but I, I can sing harmonies, you know, with Micah a lot. And um, they definitely shaped, I think, like how my brain works with music. Um, so thankful for that. But yeah, classical wasn't uh, <laughs> wasn't the, the thing for me. He could rip a nylon, though. <laughs> You are far from the first guest of our podcast um, who left uh, music school in one form or another. 
um, <laughs> and and ended up in a in a project. So we, we that's we we get it, man. It's not for everybody. I mean, really, and you know, and when you're young. Life, like like somebody, one of you guys said about how um you you know you 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 didn't uh I guess you swore off I, I think uh, was it Daniel you swore off death metal and hardcore for a while when 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 you graduated high school um right was, yeah, I, well I, but I, really when you think about that age man um you're very it's very static I and mean, it can be very extreme with a lot of these like subculture and fashion and what you're into you know what I mean man when you're in your late teens and early twenties man that's how it is and then you you know you finally kind of settle in. Um, so with that being said, before I go on any more of my, uh, 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 tangents, um, as I said, Talons of Empathy is your independently recorded and released full length album. Um, I was listening to it on Bandcamp, uh, where people can buy it on cassette and buy related merchandise, t-shirts and so on, uh, and buy it digitally. Uh, I'm sure people could probably listen to it on the, 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 the other usual streaming platforms, right? Yes, yeah, for sure. Perfect, man. And um and also oh, I forgot to mention, man, this is also interesting. You guys did a uh live session with Found Sounds, um who has a YouTube channel. Do you want to just talk about yeah. that quickly for the listeners in case they want to go peep that, man? It's it's available on streaming platforms in audio form too, right? But there's videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Found Sounds is a a group of our our friends um here from uh, Clarksville. from Clarksville, right? No, no, Cookville from Cookville. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, some good friends from Cookville um, that we've known for a long time. That uh, yeah, they just do they do live sessions for projects that they're into. Like it's like a I don't know, um, like well, locals only sort of fun uh, thing that they do. And we got lucky enough to do one. And the one that we did was actually in the house we're in right now. It was at Zane uh zane's house that we recorded and it turned out sick it's um, yeah matt is a there's a great filmographer insane uh yeah. he's you know he works on movie sets and stuff all the time this is it's just a passion project for them him and zach um zach's a crazy good engineer yes um, yeah. yeah so yeah. they literally they, they didn't you know make us pay them to do it they just really liked us and, and wanted to add it to their roster and and every single session they've done has been produced beautifully and sounds uh, insane it's really uh yeah it's really shaping up to be something cool yeah found sounds is very cool yeah that's the found sounds youtube channel just for the listeners that's that's a good way to um familiarize yourself uh with soot uh from nashville tennessee um whose whose album as i said uh talons of empathy uh you should check out guys uh as we wind down I got a lot of you here. Why don't you each just take a minute, go around, and give me an album recommendation? Uh, it could be a demo, EP, album, any genre, old, new, anything. Just tell me and the listeners something cool to listen to. Dang. Oh, no. <laughs> Lightning round. Uh, okay. Um, you want me to go first? Yeah, Dan, will you go first? Okay. Um I've been listening to, I'm going to steal this from maybe a couple of these guys are going to make it out of me. Uh, this band called Dead Rider, uh, a record oh. called Mother's Me. Um, it's so, it's so good. Just, just like, do you know Dead Rider? I'm not familiar, to be honest, no. Dude, that is, <laughs> that is like me and Cole and Dan. Zane doesn't dislike them, but me, I, I think that's like the, greatest band still making music and they're yeah. tiny like i, I yeah. they're so sick 
Chicago. Um, yeah, Chills on Glass is like we should just all recommend a Dead Rider record. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, dude, they are. I don't even know how to explain it other than like the most evil experimental funk rock. But like, I it transcends that a little bit. It's fucking wild stuff. Wow. They they played with Jesus Lizard. They're, it's like a weird. Oh, you just gotta check it out. They're great. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, mother's me. <laughs> check it out. All right. And for me, I've been listening to so much Kowloon Walled City. Um, I'm not sure where they're from, but uh, their album 2012 record Container Ships by Kowloon Walled City. That that is just a real nice heavy record. Having a lot of fun with that lately. <laughs> um, I've been on a, uh, I'm a new metal kick, so I'm just gonna go ahead and say, listen to Wisconsin Death Trip by Static X. Okay. And you're gonna have a great time. That's all I'm gonna say about that. You know, I have been in a band where that was like regularly played. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's like it was the drummer. I'm not gonna get into which band and who it was. It was the drummer who loved that album and had a thing for <laughs> Static X, man. Um, hey, rest in peace to that guy. I mean, you know, that, yeah. they're they're back. Okay, man. That everyone gets one recommendation. Uh, Static X. The what was the um, what, what I'm sorry. What, what was the other one? Was it Cal I'm, uh, Calden Wald? How do you spell that? Yeah. Uh, what is K O W L O N? Yep. Kowloon Walled City. Yeah. Kowloon Walled City. Okay, got it, man. Just for the listeners, if they want to check that out, man, it's always good to get a little insight into, into what you guys are into. Uh, I talk enough about what I'm into on this podcast. Guys, uh, <laughs> you've been very generous with your time this evening. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed the album, um, and I'm looking forward to uh, what's in the future. Speaking of which, quickly, we're going to try to drop this on the – uh, 19th, uh, so if the listeners are listening to this in the Nashville, Tennessee area, maybe, who knows, uh, 519, you're playing at the 5 spot in East Nashville, Tennessee. Is that still on? That's true. Okay, so if the listeners are listening to this fresh off the um, the meat rack when it drops, you can still go catch them at the 5 spot, East Nashville, Tennessee. Besides that, um, quickly, uh, anything coming up? New album, new material? What should people look for? Or are you looking to get out on the road, play shows? Um, just an update quickly for people who might be looking out for you. Yeah, dude, we're we're about to leave on tour. We're playing. Uh, we're starting off in Asheville um, on, on the 27th of this month. We're playing with Cloakroom over at Static Age Records, um, and then we'll make our way up through the Midwest. Um, you know, we've got dates up to Chicago, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Minneapolis. Um, but yeah, so that's beginning of June, end of this month, beginning of June, and then we just finished. I don't know. I'm just going to say, oh, whatever. It's not. Yeah, we, we just finished recording a split with uh, some of our best friends, a local thrash band that's sick um, called Waxed. We just got finished recording a split with them. Um, and we just got that mixed. We just sent that off to mastering to get mastered by our buddy Zach. He works over at God City. Um, and uh, yeah, that so that'll be dropping in August. Um, and you can catch that release show will be uh, yeah, August fifth, um, and we'll we'll have that split out, and I think we're getting physicals for it. So that's we're really stoked on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wax would be another great band for you to check out and maybe have on. There, that is like a that is a 
great local Nashville heavy band. Uh, the name is great, dude. I, the Waxed. I love it. Uh, it's And Waxed and Soot are two great band names to be on a split together. It makes me think of, like, coal miners and shit, man. It's great. It's tough. Um, looking forward to that. Uh, listeners should uh, check check you guys out on social media um, for uh, where, you, where you're going on this tour coming up. If they can't catch you today, 519 at the 5 Spot in Nashville, Tennessee. Gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for your time um, and for this album you've given us. Uh, any uh, parting words for uh, listeners of our show and fans of your music? Yeah, I mean, thank thank you for uh, thank you for having us. Yeah, uh, real. feel free to 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 copy and template our tone because we gave you the secret recipe. For sure, uh, <laughs> make, it, make it happen. Make it happen. Recipe. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You guys got to go to the porn shop now and get some new pedals and stuff for the next album, man. Make it happen. That's 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 the real secret to a sick tone. Go to the porn shop because because uh, yeah. somebody somebody you're, had not, to... you're not lying at all. You're yeah. so right. Some for the stuff that they get rid of at a porn shop, they had they somebody was crying to get rid of that man. You know they needed it anyway. Let's not <laughs> let's not end it on a dark note, okay? Um, okay. Uh, uh, guys, Soot from Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you so much uh, for your time, man. We'll be watching for you guys in the future. Thank you so much. chill out got a couple things coming up a couple shows mixing the afterbirth album uh we got the guest vocalist coming through on saturday not gonna reveal that i got something in the old instagram messages Longtime listener and supporter shout out to ezra hecht um sent me a, a screen grab and a video my phone is terrible and tom you stay off of instagram because you're an adult um but there is somebody using a rock band guitar controller, like for the video video game rock band, at the Decibel Mag Tour in Austin. Uh behind the behind the board. Uh one of the one of the sound engineers or somebody. And the Ezra um theorized maybe it's for lighting. I don't know. But Tom, you have the more technical grasp on things between the two of us, so I wanted to run that past you. Phenomenal use of gaming equipment, if that is the case. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why you couldn't rig something up like that. So lighting is controlled through, um, it's kind of like a protocol called DMX, actually. Uh, so two thi- sick things called DMX. <laughs> um, and there is this video that went viral a long time ago of the Mashuga light guy who basically plays along with the drummer and does this crazy light show, and he's using kind of like an MPD um, to kind of play along, which is phenomenal. This seems like that guy is, uh, this guy's taking the more rock and roll approach, the less mechanical Mashuga approach, a more uh, let's shred on, a, on essentially a child's toy, which is sick. I'm intrigued 
uh, and having grandiose visions of shamelessly ripping this off for one of my own projects one day. Um, let's see, man. Well, if, uh, if, if anyone listening knows more about this or maybe knows who this person was at the Decibel Fest in Austin using this, uh, heavyholepodcast at gmail.com. We'd like to talk to you. Uh, yeah. We got, we got to talk to you about a couple of things. Let's sit down. Um, but Tom, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about. Um, Let's do it. Uh, on, on air, we got to fire some some people, man. Some of these co-hosts ain't working. No, I'm just kidding. They're all doing great. We love all the, we're gonna have all the guys cycled back in. Don't worry about it. Um, I want to talk to you about fun things. You brought something to my attention that's really fun when we're talking about recommendations, man. Let's can we start off with yours? Um, yeah. Give me one second. Okay. Sorry. I uh, no, go for it. I'm not well prepared for it. I just listened to it and thought it was pretty sick. It's it's a good blast from the past for me. All right, going in now, put my little note in. Yeah, I want to recommend something that I uh, stumbled across on the old internet. The old internet. Interval Bazaar. Will, yes. you mention that you had heard of this band before? Uh, yes, I... Um... Well, well, I, uh, I'm trying. To, I don't want to want to talk like I'm flex. I don't know these guys personally or anything, but I did back in you know 20 years ago or so when I was doing a lot of mail for Biolich and tape trading the 2001 Biolich demo a lot. So like in the in the few years past, you know, 2001, two, three or so, I did end up um, getting like a dub with a bunch of interval interval bizarre stuff in Hume. Um, some other cool bands from the Czech Republic from, from a guy I like tape traded with. And when we were in Biolich, um, uh, me and Dan Olivencia, especially, we had a special thing for like Interval Bazaar, 100%. And I'll just throw a few other names that have come up on the podcast, like Contrastic, uh, Alienation Mental, um, and so on and so forth, like the, the Czech scene. When we had Paulo on uh, years ago, when uh, we talked about Ping Death Metal, I'm sure we touched on the Czech Republic scene a lot. It's there, There's a whole thing there. Yeah. Uh, Interval Bizarre, I believe, did a split with Malignancy at one point. They I, did, yeah. It yeah. was a 2002 split. Beautiful um, recommended oh. release right there, but not to take away the shine from yours. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm talking about the promo that came out in 2000. And uh, they have four releases total. It's a 99 promo, which I actually didn't listen to yet. The one we're listening to now, which is the promo 2000. The Unexpected Awakening of Impassive Mass split with Malignancy and Czech Assault split. Thanks, Metallum. It's a really perfect presentation of what I expect prog bands to sound like. Like you mentioned Inhume before. Wait, well, wait, you said Prague. I want to. That's you said you were. You meant geographically, not in terms of genre, because I uh, that's that slipped me for a second. Sorry, proceed. Right, yeah, yeah. No, this is this is a perfect fit for the Dream Theater fan. Um, 
this promo is just so fucking sick for a 2000s release. Um, it's not... There's it's not reinventing any wheels, but what it does do is it's taking every aspect, the drumming, the guitar playing, the songwriting, vocals, and it's uh, a 10 across the board. Performance-wise, the mix is just where it needs to be. It's fucking intense. It's not too overproduced because, I mean, time time period-wise, it sounds like it's in its time. It's charming for, for being so brutal. Mm. So, yeah, uh, I, I thought y'all should hear this. Yeah, and it's it's deceptive how it's entitled a promo, like it's some sort of fly-by-night demo release. It's a very respectable. You could call this an EP, in my opinion. It's a th- this is um, it's brutal and blasting. I hesitate to call this ping. Maybe it's like pre-ping or like slightly slight like because it's there's a clarity to it that um, it's definitely hyper blasting. It's like. I th- I really think that uh, cephalic carnage in a big way predates this style and maybe pioneered some of these some of the way these bands combine hyperblasting grindcore with death metal, um, even like you know older brutal truth, uh, but the, then these bands go on like a technical death metal uh, uh, angle with it. it. It's 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 really good death metal. It's very intense. It's getting away. From the from the early to mid '90s death metal, this is what death metal was to become. When people think of brutal death metal, this is like I think this is the result of people maybe from in another country, and their perception of heavy music and heavy metal is you know could be cephalic carnage, deeds of flesh, dying fetus stuff from the '90s, you know. And there's also I don't know about in this release in particular, but in a lot of these bands, they would go on to include new metal elements and kind of like experimental electronic things. And these bands got very experimental. One of the trademarks, I think, of all these Czech Republic bands of that era, the late 90s into the early 2000s, was that they were doing hyper-blasting, grindy death metal, but they were never afraid to mix it up and get open, whether it's with the lyrics, the art... Um, the song titles, adding new metal parts, adding yeah, the, some the, the some new metal weird... aesthetic too. I mean, uh, yeah. Who I was trying to th- uh, think of before is Poppy Seed Grinder. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 I really like their early stuff too, and they have this like very. Uh, it is kind of mall metal look, but it doesn't sound mall metal at all. But I guess that's uh, a prog thing, you know, like you're saying. It's like new metal got wrapped up in the whole package somewhere you know which is i love what a lot of these bands did and to this day it still is some of the most original stuff i you know i'm not going to try talking about the whole scene as much as this this demo this demo is great because it's in particular this demo like i said predates when a lot of when when these bands got more experimental so it's very straightforward in a way even even as technical and original as it is it's death metal you know this is brutal fast death metal like i said kind of if you can picture things like early brutal truth and cephalic carnage getting put in a blender with like deeds of flesh and um the the later era brutal death metal bands of the 90s you know this is this is just just prime stuff i'll I'll shut up now man just let the listeners be the judge but yeah good check pick, it out. Tom. good pick from my past tom interval bizarre promo 2000 
Evil Bazaar promo is almost a quarter century old. That's that's rough. <laughs> that's yeah. rough to process for me over here, dude. Um, but something new uh, that that I uh, listened to today. There's a band, a uh, new band called Protrusion from Indiana, uh, United States. Slugs of Decadence uh, slash Scorned Vengeance demo. Very simple two-song demo. Uh, very much in the 90s. I mean, if you look at the cover art here, and uh, it's, it's it's everything about this just says 90s, man. These, these guys got it right. Um, I, dude, this... I, I thought this was a 90s straight. I didn't yes. look. I just they, listened they... to it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. nailed it. It's like a mm-hmm. the presentation is art. It's not homage. It's like straight up uh, worship. In a sea of quote unquote OSDM, younger bands coming back with that early 90s sound, the brutal chunky stuff, which is all good and well. This tape is is a stance alone. Uh, and not like Godsmack in a sick way. Um, this tape stands alone. It, it, it forces me to question if somebody didn't just go back in a time machine and acquire these guys. And like, like, did the, the, is this an Indiana band from 1991 that disappeared? Um, let's get uh, Leonard Nimoy on the case. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, strange things in search of. All I'm trying to say, the listeners too might remember. Uh, I did a Patreon bonus um, many moons ago about. Uh, Indiana, some of, some some of my favorite obscure Indiana death metal bands of of uh, the '90s, um, and this, like you said, Tom, everything about this just sounds like they were. This is some. This is a real life old '90s demo. They, they got it right. It kind of almost has a New York thing going on at points. It reminds me of Dehumanized. Sometimes I'm, I came out and said it. I'm not gonna beat around the bush. Um, the vocals, so guttural and monotone uh and with this kind of haunting echo to it they everything about this two song demo is right i want to hear more i want to hear a full length you can go check these guys out on again i don't i i I don't i I can't swear to this but i believe they only have a facebook they don't have an instagram which makes me wonder are these really some old dudes from back in the day that's usually how the the 40 and up crowd roll no instagram you know you gotta have a young guy in your band the facebook is a dead giveaway yeah. Oh, maybe that's part of the aesthetic. Maybe we've gotten to that point where like these are young guys and they're so keyed into the old school death metal that their like social media uh game is is that of an old school death metal band. I don't know, man. It's just, this is on so many levels. I don't even want to keep talking about it cuz I'm like joking, but I'm not joking. I just want the listeners to get a feel for this. It's two songs. It's like 10 minutes out of your day. Check them out on Facebook. They got a bunch of pressings out, t- uh, cassettes. Um they got different countries doing different pressings uh this and that so, so people internationally can order them. Look these guys up. Protrusion from Indiana. They're doing it right, man. This is like if I made album of the year lists or something or if I was on another podcast and they asked me for my old and my new album recommendation, I would be hyped to talk about this man this is like caught me by surprise slap me upside my face Look at you, my dude, you're a fool, 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 you
they they don't make them like that anymore, man. I'm I I think Michael J. Fox and the Doc had something to do with bringing that one up, but we'll we'll talk about it another time. The list we'll let the listeners be the judge. Heavy whole podcast at gmail dot com if you want to comment on that or anything else we spoke about this evening. Um, if you want to, uh, if you got a topic you want us to touch on, if you know something about this guitar, uh, the 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 rock band guitar controller thing, it's uh, it's weird. Um, leave leave us a, a, a voicemail. The, the number should be in the description where you're uh, listening to this, or drop us a email. Necrofest, yes, Necrofest, going down June. Um, what is it, June? Hold on, Tom. I'm sorry, Tom. You might have to clip. No, that's right. Here. You know, I'll eat up some air real quick. I forgot to mention. I went to that Decibel Metal Fest where this uh, alleged video game light show was happening, and uh, I forgot to tell you. Well, that, that was in Austin. With... What's that? Well, that was in Austin where the picture was from. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Austin. Um, well, either way, just made me think of the whole Decibel Metal Fest thing. And um, shout out to Kyle Beam from Undeath, who uh, got me full cans of beer. Ah. And we had a great time hanging out with. Uh, guest of the show, he's a bud now. Me and Ian hung out with him. Great fella. Love talking to him. We got to have him on again. It's been a while. Yeah, man. uh, He'd be down. He's an awesome dude. And also, shout out to Chris Penrod, who I saw in Chicken Suit at the show. Nice. Former guest of the show all over the place at the Decibel Fest. I'm glad Chris Penrod is out there still in the game, still in the chicken game. And shout out to Kevin Huffnagel, who I ran into. And we had a nice chat. We caught up a bit. Dropping bombs uh, on him right now, Tom. I like this, Tom. I'm trying this to think of who yeah. else I caught up with. But yeah, everyone was uh, uh, a, 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 a future guest of the show, who I yeah. don't want to blow up. Future. I had a great time. Tomorrow's Great victims. time with this gentleman. Tomorrow's victims. That's what I call future guests of the show. Shout out to Maddie Death all day, man. Um... June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, Necrofest, 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 New York, tough guy. June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, we're going to talk about it a little bit more. Stay tuned next week, Necrofest, New York. Look it up, tough guy. You want some death metal? You want some grindcore? What do you want? Necrofest, New York, June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Shut up, stupid. Oh, I'm sorry, I got a little <laughs> overwhelmed. with. I got a little too into character promoting the Necrofest there. Um, definitely thank you, and big shout to Soot, our guests tonight. Uh, we appreciate them, and if you have time, go check them out. If you're in East Nashville, uh, Tennessee tonight, go out to the Five Spot and check out Soot. If you're around Brooklyn, New York Monday, uh, you still got time to check Fester Gore, um, Anthropophagus, Exsanguinated, and Bludgeoner. Uh, we'll be there, man. Exsanguinated got a lot of shirts made. Uh, big shout to Optimistic Prince. Uh, Optimistic Prince, highly recommended if bands are looking to get some shirts made. Um, Teeth Grinder Printing, too. A lot of good. Supplier Press. There's, there's a lot of great t-shirt and merch printers now who are coming from an underground angle themselves i like mm. that, that this is i don't think it was always like that it, it was tougher for bands to get merch from someone who was more sympathetic to the underground culture back well in the day. i think that uh whoever is setting these companies up were listening to our early episodes where justin and i ranted about shirt quality we'll mm. have to chalk it up to us speaking up uh yeah shout out to pyre press amazing shirts bought a few off of them Oh. Heavy Hole Podcast is definitely directly responsible for the um, the explosion of death metal the last few years. It's yeah. all us. I just wanted else. to say you're welcome. Yeah, I just I just want to say thank you for being a friend. All right, no, that's disclaimer. That's a joke. All right. Um, 
yeah, no, it's a lot of, lot of, lot of good things going on out there, man. We're going to get to the bottom of it and talk to some of these T-shirt guys and see what's going on. Uh, other than that, Tom, let's see. We got we did the uh, the voicemail. We did that, did that, did the reviews, the recommendations, uh, protrusion from Indiana. Please go peep them. Uh, the whole Czech Republic scene. If you want to go back, uh, we did we did ping with Paulo episodes a few years ago, and we broke down the whole Czech Republic scene in one of them. Um, we we. Did a whole uh, Indiana, old school Indiana death metal episode on the on the Patreon. If you want to check that out, man, um, flat five dollar a month fee now for for the Patreon people, man. We're just putting some stuff up as it goes, doing bonus episodes here and there, uh, and that's about it. Tom, you got anything else for, for the fine people out there? I just uh, you know if I haven't seen you in a while, I miss you. That's it. <laughs> wow, that's a weird one.